Welcome to Transforming Conversations with Heinrich Titus, a monthly podcast exploring faith, culture, and society. A podcast for every generation. Hi, audience, and welcome back to um, Conversations with Pastor Heinrich. We are talking today about the new normal and the crisis that ensued. I recently read an article that exclaimed that the world is on fire. Um, but we should not let a good crisis go to waste. And it followed to talk about all these principles of mindless, mindfulness, not mindlessness, connection and being present, stewarding time and money wisely and living lives that are sustainable in many ways. But the COVID-19 crisis has come with the added tension of racial injustice that was spurred on by the George Floyd instance and gender-based violence that has been skyrocketing due to the lockdown and people being in confined spaces that are not safe and the possible unconstitutionality of the lockdown and all of the general and real pressures um, on the state of the nation um, and that pressure that's being imposed into household and communities across the board. This crisis has not been biased to anyone um, and I've, I guess it's fair to say in that regard then that the world is on fire but yeah, today we're just going to talk a little bit around the, the racial injustices and you know, these tensions that exist because the reality is that the church should be um, posing a very different rhetoric. Um, you know, we've heard about the realities of moving to online church and online communities and the strain that it is, but there's also this hope and opportunity and possibility that it brings. Um, and even the lockdown and all those things, there's a bit of a refreshing in a sense. And today we'll just be chatting to Pastor Heinrich through some of the new normal and just how do we find hope? How do we, you know, battle through? How do we walk through the valley and not avoid it and not turn away, but also keep our eyes on the transcendent hope that is in Jesus Christ? I am excited for today. Please engage with us on social media. If there's anything in this podcast that you are excited to hear, that you are excited to engage with, um, we'd love to hear from you um, on our Facebook pages or on our Instagram page. The links are in the profiles. Thank you. Over to the conversation. Yeah, Pastor Heinrich, it was such a privilege to once again interview you and to hear what you have to say on race and reconciliation and unity and gender-based violence. These are all real topics and these mm. are all things that are facing the church. We cannot mm. be ignorant to it and we cannot pretend that it's something that's outside of of, of us. Yeah. I think it's yeah. something that's happening in our pews even. <laughs> sadly um, enough. Yeah, sadly mm -hmm. enough. And I, I, I think I remember, I think it's Leonard Ravenhill or someone that always said, like, we have to preach to the people in the pews too. <laughs> the sinners aren't outside there. They're also mm -hmm. inside. Mm -hmm. um, but as yeah, as we embark on this new normal of, you know, the lockdown and everything that's happening, but also I think there's a new normal of people being aware. Mm. Uh, I think with the stillness and everything coming to a halt, all the, the icky stuff is starting mm. to flow to the top. <laughs> and people who could maybe in the past ignore it can no longer ignore it. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I'd just like that's to right. hear your thoughts on, um, yeah, on this time and what you think or feel or sense needs to be done. And with the chaos that's ensued, how do we find hope? Mm. I'm reminded of this this um, the scene from from Lord of the Rings. I think it was the first one, and um, <laughs> the Fellowship of the Ring. And we have um, uh, Aragorn, the king, um, not king yet. It wasn't it wasn't crowned king yet. But it came from the, the line of kings and they're looking for their friends. Their friends have been abducted and so they're looking for their friends. Um, 
Aragon and Gandalf and uh, Legolas. And uh, they arrive in this, this country and they, they come across this horseman. And, and this horseman tell them, look, look for your friends, but don't dare to hope. Because hope has forsaken these lands. And I think for me that, that very much summarizes the world at this present moment. I think there's a, a massive, desperate cry in the hearts of people for hope. Mm-hmm. Um, be it hope to see light at the end of the tunnel with regards to the pandemic, or be it hope to see reconciliation come about, be it hope to see equality and justice in the home and in the workplace and in church. And the scripture says hope deferred makes the heart grow weary. So yeah. I think there's a, there's a big weariness in the, in the bones of people. Um, and, you know, as we're having this, this conversation, the rain has started to fall outside, which we, we joked and said that, uh, you know, that's pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Um, as Amos speaks about just the, the streams of justice that need to flow like, like rivers. And, and rain brings refreshing. Rain also brings life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the privilege that the Lord has given the church. Um, and so we have to engage in the areas of, 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 of hopelessness and of mm-hmm. despair. And I think the challenge of the church is we have the light, we have the truth, mm-hmm. we have the, uh, the life. Um, but I think our tendency sort of is to pull away from the desperation mm-hmm. and pull away from the hurt. Because the hurt and the desperation sometimes manifests in anger. Mm-hmm. And, and then you, you want to reach out. And then there's, uh, there's a backlash. And so I think what's on my heart really is, is just to encourage the church, to encourage every believer to grab hold of the opportunities we have right now to be channels of, of, of life mm-hmm. you know, and to bring hope. And so obviously one can bring that hope in many different ways. I think joining the conversation is important. Yeah. It's important, extremely important. But there really isn't a lack of conversation going on. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's enough being said, enough people weighing in. Um, but if the church doesn't join the, the dialogue and the narrative, uh, we, we run the risk of becoming uh, irrelevant. Yeah. And then a whole lot of other people start speaking and mm. other voices are being heard. Um, so I think we need to join the conversation. But more than joining the conversation, we need to live the conversation. Yeah. And I think that's what people are looking for. Enough books have been written, enough movies have been made, enough is being said on social media, but people want to see it. Enough mm-hmm. sermons have been preached. We have to preach the sermon. We have to do the posts. We have to have the conversations, but I think we need to live it. Mm-hmm. And, but that's going to take courage, really. So I think it's a season of courage for the church, to be honest with you. I think we stand the threshold of either we, we engage bravely, courageously, and humbly, or we run the risk of becoming uh, irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And even... Uh, I agree. Oh, man. <laughs> but, you know, this justice is this buzzword. Yeah. And I think the, the contention is always around justice because yeah. I think if I throw the word justice out to a group of people, in everybody's mind, the, the end, like the, the end of that is different. You know? mm. So my idea of justice is unfortunately and probably not the same as your idea of justice, even though we're both Bible-believing you know, Jesus pursuing Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And with this buzzword and, you know, the verses that say, you know, we stand up for righteousness, we, mm-hmm. the Lord defends the righteous, that, you know, we have more scriptures in James where it mm-hmm. says undefiled religion is this, mm-hmm. you know, take mm-hmm. care of the orphan and the widow and the Micah, the very famous Micah mm-hmm. 6 verse 8. The Lord has told you what is good, you know, mm-hmm. to do justice, to love kindness and to walk yeah. humbly with God. And, and I think that's a lot of the times where even weighing in on the conversation becomes a, 
for, even for the church internally becomes mm-hmm. a thing because you know ju- justice is this, this big term mm-hmm. and we all understand the primary justice is the the fact that Jesus is the judge and justifier yeah. he comes and he justifies yeah. us before God that's the greatest yeah. justice is to yeah. to have you know you know to be privileged to be saved mm-hmm. <laughs> we mm-hmm. deserve death but how do we like practically do justice how do we reconcile all these different views and um, and I think it was on you know when we were talking about the rollout almost of the new coming back to church and gathering or not gathering and you spoke um, about the the congregations or just people in general you know you have people on the one side of giving vaccines to your children on the mm-hmm. other side. And it's so easy for both yeah. sides to judge one another and yeah. assume the other end is unsaved or needs yeah. Jesus yeah. more than the other end. Yes. But yes. How, yeah, how do we, with this justice, that is this buzzword, it's mm. going around everywhere. And the reality is, is there's so many diverse opinions of what justice looks like. Yeah. How do you, you know, just even as a, a leader or a pastor, how do you gather that and almost point it in one direction mm. without losing folk on the yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah, I think one probably needs to take some time very often in these conversations mm-hmm. and just talk about the definitions. Mm-hmm. Um, you're absolutely right. Um, I think a lot of the, the, the misunderstanding and the conflict comes from we, t- we talk um, on different levels and we talk past each other because we use words and one person's meaning is different mm-hmm. than another person's. Um, and that is, of course, where the church does have the edge and that is that we do have a standard in Jesus. Yeah, and so when when we talk about justice, really that standard is Christ. I think mm. the the beauty of of the Bible is that uh, it has obviously been written within a certain cultural uh, context, mm. um, and we can learn so much about justice in the in the Old Testament and how the prophets really spoke out um, very specifically. And if we look at how God's judgment came upon His people that the spiritual idolatry and the falling away from God and, and, and worshipping on mountains and sacrificing to idols, all of those things were incredibly important and were offensive to God. Mm. But, but really what, what uh, um, sort of almost want to say pushed God over the edge, so to speak, yeah. in a certain way, was the, the issue of just how you lived out your religion, yeah. how you would treat the foreigner in your midst, how you would treat the slave, how you would treat... And those who are fatherless in your midst. You know, so I think they are incredibly powerful principles we can look at within the Old Testament. Um, but that obviously runs the risk of being uh, um, trapped within a specific context. And so people mm-hmm. could very easily then say, look, but that was for that particular context. And I think that's a, that's a cop-out. I think if one really uh, wants to do it justice and study it properly, one will see those principles are applicable. Yeah. Uh, across uh, all different ages, but but Jesus is our standard ultimately. Mm. You know, uh, Jesus is our standard, and and Jesus came to simplify it all for us. Mm. We talk about justice. Um, you know, and I love the fact we're talking about justice and not necessarily just social justice. Yeah. You know, because that's also sometimes people who talk about you know social justice, but the fact is it's justice. Mm. You know. And we add all of these terms and then things get complicated. But Jesus said the most important thing is love the Lord your God, all your heart, mind, soul, your strength. And that's the basis of our conversation. And from that is you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. And I yeah. think that's the golden law. And really, if we talk about justice, it really is how would I want to be treated yeah. within that situation. Um, and so I think for me, that is justice. Justice mm. is how would I like someone else to treat me? Mm. Uh, how would I like someone to treat my kids? You know, how would I like someone to treat my loved ones? Mm. 
and and that is justice for me. And so, you know, if we touch on uh, uh, um, race, you know, how would I want someone to treat my daughters and my son? You know, uh, yeah. within a con at school, uh, one day when they enter the workspace. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and ultimately what I register then is injustice or justice towards them is what I need to apply to mm. other people. Um, and, and the same for, 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 you know, our response to the gender-based violence, mm. you know. Um, what, is, what is justice towards a woman? I, I think it's close to my heart because I've got two girls, yeah. you know, and, and a beautiful wife. So, you know, how would I want them to be treated? How would I feel if something were to happen mm. to them? And the outrage I register or potentially would register towards them, why don't I register that, you know, if something happens to one of my sisters, you yeah. know, who's not related by, by blood, but in spirit or as part of the human race. Yeah. Um, and I find that lacking within the, the, the conversation of justice. It becomes a legal thing, mm-hmm. becomes a right and wrong thing. And that, of course, is true. But there's an empathetic component that's missing to me. And that is our ability to to follow the incarnational lifestyle of Jesus, and that is to place himself in our shoes. And that's why he's our high priest who can intercede for us because he came to live in our shoes. So I don't think you can talk about justice without talking about an incarnational approach to the conversation. Mm. Um, You know, Isaiah 54 speaks about the fact that God has given us a tongue of the learned to, let me read it rather, and Uh. and not paraphrase (laughs) and misquote it, and uh, that would just be wrong within this within this context um but the second part of isaiah 54 um yeah this is Isaiah 50 isaiah 50 and so verse 4 says the lord god has given me the tongue of the learned that i should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary and so that, that ties in you know for me with with the whole concept of the weariness hope deferred makes the heart grow weary we're surrounded by hundreds of thousands, if not millions of weary people. Mm. And that's spilling over into, you know, expressions of anger, expressions of hurt. And, and then it clashes with one another. And all of us sort of want to be at this place where, you know, I believe, and I come across it so often, I believe that my opinion, you know, I've got the mm-hmm. word from the Lord, yeah. if I'm a believer. You know, I've got a biblical understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, or I've got, I've got uh, the, the, the cultural right to speak this or my pain uh, and my experience now um, gives me authority to speak this mm. and therefore you must listen because I'm abused or I've been marginalized. Or I've been, you know, mm. on the receiving end of, of hatred and therefore you must listen to me. And I think that's also dangerous. Mm. Um, uh, um, whether we use spiritual pride or even the pride of our victimhood, you mm. know, as a basis of our authority to speak into situations, I think both of that is risky. Um, because Isaiah says the Lord has given me the tongue of the learned and I believe that it's a blessing that God has imparted to the church that I should know how to speak a word in season to him we can put in the multitudes there you know a word in season this is a season God has called us to this season to speak out um, to those who are weary but then it says he awakens me morning by morning he awakens my ear to hear as the learned and I find that the second bit is, is massively lacking. Yeah. You know, we want to rush off and be the tongue. Yeah. We want to be <laughs> we the know, ear. We, nobody <laughs> wants to be the ear. Nobody wants to be the ear to, to listen. Not and I think uh, justice, implementing justice, um, speaking about justice for me is I've, I've got to listen before, and I've got to earn the right to speak. I've got to earn the right to speak. And I think that's, that's for me, um, 
so the golden rule, you know, um, got a flow out of my love for Jesus, yeah. got a flow out of my love for, for my neighbor, and, and, I've, and I've got to listen. Yeah. Um, and out of that practice, practice justice with a listening ear. I'm reminded of um, the global prayer and fast message. It was actually of the falach that I came across it while I was preparing for this, mm-hmm. just where you spoke about 1 Chronicles 12, about the tribe of Issachar that yeah. understood the times and they yeah. knew what Israel had to do. Yeah. Um, and I was just, yeah, it's just that same thing with the listening ear, coming to the Lord and knowing what you must do, but having a good understanding of the mm-hmm. times, which is really, mm-hmm. yeah, which comes from listening. Yeah. Um, and if yeah. it's lacking, you're not going to understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, and I think the the beauty of the church is just that the Lord has given the church this like to, so he, you know, He's given the church this light in Jesus, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God may be known mm. to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, and this mm. was according to His eternal purpose that has realized in Jesus Christ our Lord, um, and that, sure. for, you know, that for me again is just like, you know, when we come with this love of Jesus and we stand on it and we we come together and we band together in unity. Yeah as the church, and I, I almost want to say with the listening ear, just a gracious ear, Yeah, I find so little grace sometimes in these conversations mm. in the church. Like mm. I, my standard for the world mm. is not too very high. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't expect the grace yeah. from somebody yeah. who is hurt and has not met Jesus, yeah. um, but it's very interesting when you can't see that grace inside, yeah. inside the church. Yeah. And I remember, you know, looking back at my, my journey, I think one of the sort of the pivotal moments they really gave me hope for Shofar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was 1995 or so. So we were in a small group, and and I think during one of the times of prayer, you know, I I, I prayed and I, I was wrestling through some stuff. I shared a little bit of that journey on Facebook, yeah. and uh, which, by the way, got some very interesting responses. <laughs> um, <We prayed. laughs> and. I, I was I was obviously at that stage I was that 19 year old that I, I referenced in the yeah. you know in the Facebook post uh, uh, just angry and and I think conflicted you mm. know between what I saw in scripture and what uh, I felt was manifesting around me and and yet also very much aware of the fact that there, there is healing and there is a better way um, but more and more being confronted with with what was happening in my own heart. Mm. So um, I, I, at the end of one of the, the small groups, the cell groups, we, we called them back then. Um, you it's know, a prison cell? I don't understand. Yeah, it's cell. underground. It was underground. <laughs> it was underground. Um, I asked, you know, just, just for prayer that the Lord would, the guys would pray for me for this journey, you know, mm-hmm. that I would let go of the bitterness. And uh, there was a brother there, and uh, Afrikaans-speaking white um, brother. And and afterwards he told me, he says, I, I don't understand this, you know. I don't. I don't understand, you know, why it's taking you so long, <laughs> you know. And so, uh, yeah, he was. He was from German origin, so he was just straight to the point, you know, just just straight to the point. But I want to understand, he said. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, can we can we have coffee? Uh, I'll, I'll come to your house, you know. So two things that really blessed me was the fact that that he wanted to engage, mm-hmm. you know, wanted to understand. And that he came to my house, yeah. you know, he came into my space and we could sit and we, we, had a, we had a couple of tough conversations, you know, it took us a while to, to find each other, but it gave me hope, mm. you know, that there was just someone willing there to, to, to listen and to try to understand. And I think if you talk about the standard of the church, then I think that's what we need, you know, we need the courage to engage, mm. to acknowledge, you know, our ignorance of one another, 
um, because we just don't know. Un mm. Unless we've been in someone's shoes, we don't know. And to acknowledge that is actually a massive sign of humility and then to listen mm. and then together to, to journey uh, from that place. Yeah, and I, like, I think you're right, I don't expect the world to listen. Um, but the world needs to see, yeah. needs to see what can happen, you know, when we do listen to each other and the healing that can come from that. And then we can listen in such a way and speak in such a way that the world can see something in our midst that they long for, mm. yeah. Because there's some deep conversations still that haven't taken place, Yeah. you know, um, 30 years down the line. Mm. I, yeah, I can disagree. I had a good conversation with one of my white brothers too, and it was just so interesting because... Um, he had some interesting ideas, like you said. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I remember in that conversation also just thinking while we were having the conversation, obviously something in me wanted to rage and just be mm -hmm. like, are you serious? Mm -hmm. Wow, it's 2020. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but also something realizing that like, what, uh, how far have we come that somebody feels safe enough to share yeah. that with somebody of color who, and with that willingness, that humility and just that willingness to say like, these are the thoughts I have. This yeah. is what I'm thinking. This is what's yeah. in my heart. Yeah. And yeah, just and I realized in that moment if I had to yell and scream and fight and defend, that safety of that space yeah. would have been immediately taken away. And now we're not getting anywhere because nobody yeah. feels safe enough to yeah. come with what's inside. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's it is a willingness to listen and that yeah. deep humility. Oh. Yeah. On everybody's part. Yeah, I think this absolutely. Is, this is the other thing. We yeah. expect humility on the other person's part. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I can come raging, but you must come humble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. I think it was, you know, uh, a reporter that asked the Christism, you know, um, what's what's wrong with the world? And uh, it took a while to send replies. It's uh, me, you know. <laughs> That's what's wrong with the world. Um, and... Uh, you know, that's unless we start, then we acknowledge our brokenness. Mm. You know, and our need for for God's grace, and our need, um, yeah, you know, for the Spirit of the Lord to come alongside mm. us. And and then I'm flawed. You know, my pain blinds me. My perspective blinds mm. me. We tend to think the other person is blinded, or I'm blinded. Yeah. You know, I see in part. And unless we approach the conversation, like in any healthy relationship, with I just see in part. Mm. You know, it's there's no way we're going to be able to. To really journey together. And I want to say even to battle through that if you were to have thrown your toys out of the cot, you know, I think we need to even be brave enough to go there sometimes. Yeah. You know, um, it's like in a, a healthy relationship, that's a true place of safety even, you know, yeah. is to sometimes to 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 go there um, and to push through. Mm. Um, because there, I think at the other end of that, there's, um, there's something beautiful that lies in wait for us. Um, but it doesn't come without its risks. It does. It does not. And it's it's very fascinating. I actually expressed to one of my friends. It's one of the diff most difficult parts of these things is that you know when you throw someone away in the church, you dismember yourself. Yeah. Because one Corinthians twelve is very clear about what yep. <laughs> what the Lord does when He puts people into the, the mm -hmm. household of faith and mm -hmm. into the body. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, I think I've been so challenged with this idea of how quick we are to dismember ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like oh, this toe is not. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with it, and then we just mm -hmm. cut it out. Yeah. And we shift it away, and yeah. getting we Ooh. actually yeah, we're good. We're good with that. <laughs> we're so good with dismembering, yes. <laughs> um, yes. but also realizing that without that little toe, without that pancreas, yeah, what will come of yeah. the body and the health Absolutely. of the body? Absolutely, um, yeah, yeah, and and you know, if one embraces that, then one can really go beyond just I'm tolerating you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. like Paul says, um, oh. Uh, 
my theology is shaking now. I was in James. Could have been Peter. <laughs> you know, we need those who are poor, you know, because they're rich in faith. Um, you know, and, and uh, so that, that conversation shifts, you know, away mm-hmm. from um, we're just tolerating each other and we're just working through this because it's the right thing to do. But I understand I need you. I'm poor without you. Yeah. You know, so I need to be surrounded by believers who are money poor. Mm-hmm. understanding they're not necessarily poor in other areas. They might just be poor financially, yes. but they're rich in faith. Yeah. You know, but we, were, we were having our pastor summit this week and um, at the end of the day ended up praying this afternoon with, with a few people from different congregations and, 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 and two of the ladies there, they're from one of our, our, our poorest, uh, financially poor congregations. Mm-hmm. Man, we started praying. I'm like, I've got to have these ladies on my, my list of personal intercessors, you know? <laughs> There's authority there, man. There's some stuff there. And, and, and the devil comes and he, he, you know, because of pain and misunderstanding, all of these things, he just wants to cut, cut us off because he knows the, the power when we truly, mm. we truly come together. And he can use anything, whether it's color, whether it's gender, and the pain, you know, in those issues. And we, then we focus on the pain rather than on the price set before us. So that has always helped me, mm. you know, is to look at the price and say, man, this pain is tough now, but boy, the glory is going to be yeah. amazing. You know, when we get through this and we're at a deeper level of, of connection and trust, it's like in my, my marriage, you know, it's always been more amazing on the other end of that conflict mm-hmm. and the, you know, whatever we had to, we had to work through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think just, yeah, wow. But even that, um, that reality of that is the transcendent reality to which we hope is yeah. this, you know, this multitude of yeah. believers who, mm-hmm. who come to Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and it's ethnically diverse, it's mm-hmm. culturally diverse, it's, you know, even mm-hmm. the singers are going to be diverse. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so everything is going to be yeah. diverse about that day as you yeah. see in Revelation 7. And, yeah. but, and, and that is almost the last question I want to mm-hmm. ask is how do you reconcile, almost like you said, you know, have the courage to push through, but how do I reconcile now my experience, like your or my racist experience of either me being classist and racist towards others or me experiencing it? How do I reconcile almost that reality of, oh my word, this was sore, this was painful, this is real, I can feel, I can hurt now, I, yeah. I feel my hurt now, yeah. but there's this transcendent reality in Jesus Christ that I, yeah. that I hope for, yeah. and how do we not almost, you know, become passive and say, oh, you know, it's just sin. Jesus is the answer. Look forward, go on and ignore actually the, the problem, mm-hmm. you know, and, and say, oh, no, but we're colorblind. And, oh, no, you know, you're monetary poor, but that's not the, that's not the real problem. You have mm-hmm. Jesus, so you're okay. You know, mm-hmm. let's not feed you because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's to ignore the physical, but also not to make the physical the idol where we're just yeah. like, okay, cool, let's put you put you up now. Let's make sure that you're not oppressed. Make, make sure this is not happening and almost forgetting this transcendent reality to which we're yeah. hoping like how do we balance that and yeah sensitively yeah 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 i think it flows from our understanding of who we are as humans uh, i think if if one can continue to keep in mind that we are uh, spirit soul and body you know we mm. we are holistic human beings and jesus came to redeem all of that um, and i think that's the beauty of it um even Jesus just, um, you know, and Luke just saying that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do a certain number of things. And they touch the whole gambit of human existence, you know, the, the, the preaching of the good news to the poor, which one could be tempted to say is only poor in spirit, but it is clear from Jesus' engagement with people, you know, mm-hmm. that was a real focus for him 
on those who were financially uh, broken. Um, he chose to, to, to be birthed and be born into, you know, extremely poor uh, community of peasants, uh, disenfranchised, taxed and, and marginalised. But also came to to bring deliverance to the captives and healing, sight to the blind, and all of those things. So I think we have to keep that in mind. Uh, we have to keep in mind that Jesus has come to redeem all of us, mm-hmm. and that's a continuous journey. Um, also, I think what has really helped me was to just take my focus off people. You know, so how do I reconcile my hurt? Uh, some continuous um, uh, um, experiences, you know, that might might uh, want to upset me or might want to cause me to doubt um, whether certain people have moved on or not, you know, whatever the case yeah. might be. So we find ourselves, my heart always goes out to many people who would, students, who would come to study in an environment that is affluent and you are exposed to a lot of material things and yet you've got to go back home, you know, yeah. to an environment where, yeah, things have changed in terms of uh, the laws and, and, and all of those things we know have changed, but you're still sitting with the consequences, mm. you know, of institutionalized uh, prejudice. Um, and how do you battle through that? I think yeah. that's real, you know, and sometimes that leads to a lot of uh, believers, uh, young people specifically, um, finding it difficult to reconcile their faith and what they experience in church with where they're living. Yeah. Um, for me, just I, I found that, that the healing for me came when I took my eyes off people. Um, I'm thankful for the healing conversations. I'm mm-hmm. thankful for the engagements. But I'm incredibly f- uh, thankful to God that I didn't wait for those engagements. Mm-hmm. They, I think they cemented things. They helped me to, to, to verbalize what I was experiencing. They helped me to uh, become a little bit more aware of my own emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you can become very spiritual and you're actually disconnected from your soul. Yeah. You disconnect to what you really feel. And then it comes out in unguarded moments. Mm. Um, and God, through his grace, I found, um, long answer <laughs> to say this, I found God to be faithful and committed to our sanctification. Mm. He's committed to having a bride that is diverse mm. and um, that is without spot and wrinkle. You know? So he's going to set us up. And he's going to get us to write some tests over and over again until we pass them. Mm. And we'll probably not enter into the fullness of our birthright until we really embrace um, the beauty of, of diversity. Um, but my healing, I found with Jesus, mm. you know. And, and he's the only one that could speak into my heart and say certain things to me that, mm. that didn't matter how many times other people said it. Um, you know, I needed to hear it from him. Yeah. And that enabled me to then enter into situations where I don't need you to validate me. I don't even need you to say you're sorry. Mm. I don't even need you to repent. Um, it's, it's not about that. I, I've been validated by Christ. Mm. Um, but what I can do is I can be an instrument of healing in the hands of the Lord mm. to, 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 help, to help those around me to navigate to a, to a safer space. Um, so I think one has to be intentional, um, but... But, but look to Christ. I think that would be my, you know, it sounds cliche, mm-hmm. but uh, I, 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 I found, yeah. <laughs> but the standard answer is still, is still the most powerful. The reason it's the standard. There's a reason There's a reason. There's a reason why it's the standard. And, and so to really engage with the Lord, um, to sit at his feet, um, you know, I days uh, in Stellenbosch as a student, weekends, often guys would go on camps, uh, uh, I would make up excuses. You know, I would study, 
I couldn't go on the camp because I had to study. I, I couldn't go on the camp because I had to do this or that. Bottom line was I didn't have the money, but I was too proud <laughs> to say it. Um, so those weekends were spent just digging into scripture, writing scripture out, confessing it, walking in Dalsach community in Stellenbosch, you know, looking at mansions on the outside and just being so upset with God, raging you know, against the affluence that I saw. Until eventually God did such a deep work in my heart that my heart started to break for the people behind the mansions, mm. living in the mansions, because all I saw were the mansions and what I, I thought that represented, mm. you know. Um, and then as my heart started breaking for them, I could actually transition into interceding and praying for those and then beginning to realize they're just people, mm. you know, uh, with stories <laughs> of deep hurt and pain and also just like me. You know, and to move from that place of anger to a place of intercession. And so Job's story is for me the key. Uh, the Lord changed Job's circumstances when he started praying yeah. for his friends. Those friends that criticized him, wanted to teach him, wanted to tell him what he must do with his pain. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that he's hurting because of his sin and you know, all of those you know, things. All we all have that friend and we've all been that we've, friend. We, absolutely. <laughs> we are both. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, and his, his, his door of escape out of that cycle was when he started praying and deceiving for his friends, you know, really from a place of, of, of deep love and compassion for them. And, and I still believe um, God is waiting for, for, for you know, people who will allow his heart mm. for those uh, um, to, to manifest through them. Mm. And uh, that's our opportunity that we have now. Mm. Yeah. It's true. What you long for often exposes your desires. Yeah. And I think yeah. that is the, yeah, that's what you, I just want to say with the bitterness, but with the pain, if you long for, if you're longing for, if you're longing for just this relief or payback, then it's obviously there's a desire sometimes for revenge or just for, you know, mm. human justice in a sense. Yeah. But once you long for that intercept, like you're, you long for that salvation and you realize, yeah. oh, wow, it's a greater gift than yeah. a big house. It's, it's actually... Yeah beautiful but indeed yeah. it is something only God can do yeah I don't think you can you know hit your head into that place it's more of a <laughs> Psalm 51 continuous mm. yep. <laughs> on repeat moment yeah um, yeah that but brings you to that place <laughs> definitely definitely um but but let me just say this with time mm. um I think one needs to be aware of the fact that time does not heal everything mm. time by itself doesn't heal yeah um, it buries, yeah. <laughs> it suppresses, um, but it will come out. The mm. pain, the anger, the bitterness will come out. Uh, time just doesn't do it. You know, mm. one, one needs to be intentional. Mm. And time, I think it was Henry Cloud that wrote this beautiful book, Changes That Heal, and he spoke about time, you know, uh, uh, mixed in with, with truth and grace mm. brings healing. And that's the beautiful opportunity the church has, mm. you know, is to have all of those ingredients. And sometimes in the world, you know, you might just have the truth, mm. which is still colored and, 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 and uh, uh, colored in a sense of different perspectives. Yeah. Um, uh, but the, the church has the unique blessing, you know, of being able to add grace, mm. grace, truth and time, um, I think is what one, one needs. And we can actually accelerate the healing process, mm. you know, not force it, but just be available. Uh, and it has to happen in community, Tosca. Yeah. Uh, that's the key. I, if we make a project out of this, mm. if we make a seminar out of this, uh, they can be helpful. They another can be launching course. pads. Yeah, another <laughs> short course. They mm. they can be 
uh, prompts, you know, sometimes you need a prompting. Yeah. Sometimes you, you need a bit of a crisis, <laughs> you know. You're like, you man, I didn't know you thought that about me, you know. Um, and yeah, I thought, you know, we were all, you know, hunky-dory. We're singing the same songs. We're reading the same translation of the Bible. Surely we must be, you yeah. know, reading from the same cultural page as well. Hey, maybe not, mm. you know. And they need a bit of a crisis and, and uh, um, you know, uh, a lot of people are surprised why. Why should South Africans resonate so powerfully with something that started mm. in the States? And that's a good conversation to have, you know, just start. at least it's a good start. <laughs> yeah. And then to journey um, through that. Um, but be intentional, you know, and, and get into, just go and visit people, mm. you know, just live with people, just enjoy people uh, and give people permission to be themselves. Um, uh, last thing I want to say is that um, I want to appeal to those of us who are in a culturally dominant position. Mm. You know, just to be aware of how difficult it, it is for people who are coming from a um, non-dominant position. In terms of, if you are not in the majority, in terms of gender, social class, um, uh, race, race uh, language, mm. you know, you have to be the one that adapts. Mm. You've got to make the changes if you're coming from a non-dominant position. And so, so those of us who are in the dominant position, uh, you know, if I, if I use guys, us men, if some of the pastors are listening to this, we will not understand the challenge that a woman has in the pastoral ministry um, because we don't have those challenges. We're not uh, confronted with people not wanting to listen to you because you're a woman, yeah. you know, um, and we're sometimes blind to that. Mm. We're not aware of that. Um, and the same it is language, culture, color, all of those things. And and therefore, the conversation, be intentional to connect mm. with somebody who's different and to hear from them, hey, man, what are you going through? Mm. Are you experiencing this? And, um, you know, that's, that's sometimes a risky thing to do, but I believe the rewards are well well worth it because we want to fight for those that are coming after us mm. as well. Um, so, so, yeah. That's that. One of my favorite writers, Rosario Butterfield, has said that the gospel indeed comes with a house key. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I, yeah. Amen. I like that. I, it's, it's, I like that. It's the truth. And I yeah. think that the intentionality of coming into people's lives is messy. Like mm. It's tough. Mm. Lives aren't clean. Lives yeah. aren't well prepared. Yeah. <laughs> lives are what they are. Yeah. So the church can be well prepared and clean. <laughs> And yes. that's and that's and that's what the Lord has been, I, I believe, nudging us into is to get away from that sanitized, mm. you know, environment into let's get into the homes, you yeah. know, let's visit, let's talk, let's get to the messy bits, but let's do it with a meal well prepared with grace. Yeah. Thank you so much, Pastor Heinrich. Thank you, Tosca. All is a joy. There is hope in the church. Yes, I believe it. Yes, Amen. Um, the word Amen. is not the word does not lie, and the word yes. says that. Therefore, yes. <laughs> therefore, yes. I yeah, I have a great hope for our movement too. I'm Amen. excited to see where the Lord takes this yes. crisis because yes. Jesus does not waste a good crisis. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. And then maybe just allow me final thirty seconds to say that um, I think we underestimate to you know those of us who are part of our Shofar Church family. Now many might be listening to this who are not. Uh, I do hope that you that you are planted and can be planted in a life-giving church family. But I want to say to our Shofar Church family that um, I think we underestimate what God has done in our, in our lives. We still have a long way to go, but um, we have something very beautiful that God has done. And we shouldn't be afraid to just go deeper. Um, God has been faithful. He's brought us forth for a time such as this. 
And there's a wonderful, wonderful door that is holding open before us to both enter into people's lives, but also allow people to enter into our lives and to experience the healing that it has brought. Uh, it is more special and more unique than I think we sometimes would, would, uh, would want to believe. Amen. Amen. Thank Blessings. All righty. Till next time. <laughs> Till next time. <laughs> yes. Thank you for joining us today. This has been Transforming Conversations with Heinrich Titus, a podcast for every generation. We love to connect with our listeners, so please engage with our social media platforms.